Keep your car looking its absolute best year-round with 303 Cleaners and Protectants. 303's revolutionary graphene nanospray coating gives you professional protection in a simple, easy-to-use formula. It will keep your car's paint protected for up to 12 months and give an insane level of depth and gloss. You can also use their brand new 303 Graphene Detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine throughout the year. It can even be used for quick cleanups of light dust and fingerprints in between washes. For a one-two punch to keep your car licking its best, look no further than 303's line of graphene products. 303 Graphene Nano Spray Coating to protect and 303 Graphene Detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine. Both products are available now at Advanced Auto Parts, AutoZone, and select Walmart locations. Visit 303radio.com for more information. Every search you make, every click you take, they'll be watching you. Are you tired of being tracked online? There's a simple solution. DuckDuckGo. It's an all-in-one privacy app with a built-in private search engine, web browser, one-click data clearing, email protection, and more, all for free. Download the app today and get the most comprehensive privacy protection with the push of a button. DuckDuckGo. Privacy simplified. Bradfo Show. That's my open? That's what they used to call me, Swivel Hit Bradford. That's my open. I'm okay. waiting for you to so justify what? your stupid opinion. Bradfo Show. That's delicious. All right, another Bradfo Show. And uh, I don't think we're going to be talking about Mutt today. I don't think we're going to be talking about the Hot Stove Show. I don't think. That guy got off the rails the last Bradfo Show. It was listened to quite a bit. So I thank you for all the listeners. I thank you to Pitcher Nick. I thank the Kerosene Kender swinging on by. But today uh, we have Ian Brown of MLB.com. And did you listen to the last podcast? I did, yeah. That was uh, upsetting to me, knowing that uh, I used to be a big listener of the Mutton Bradford show. And uh, just to hear the way th- you know things have kind of fallen apart for you, too. That it's was, like uh, Parcells and Belichick. <laughs> I mean, it's just, you know, time, sometimes time really is not your, not your friend, not your ally. Yeah, it was tough. You know, Mutt seems like he's trying to carve out his own thing now. And uh, it's good, man. Uh, it's good. I will ask you this: last question about this, and I said that last podcast, and we end up talking about an hour about it. Uh, are you for? You've been on the hot stove show yes. before. Are you for or against having a guest on? Yeah, I like to hear what, uh, especially this time of year, you like to hear what, uh, you know, I'd like to hear what Alex Cora has to say about, you know, what his lineup's going to look like or. I agree. You know, you know anything like that, sure. That's, That's why I brought I'm... you in to be a yes man. <laughs> uh, so anyway, uh, Ian Brown, as I said, does excellent work for MLB.com, has uh, been on this podcast before, probably before the reboot, though, before we, you were on when we still had the W on show, <laughs> yeah. I think. Uh, but, um, but Ian, so Ian, would thank you for driving on into the the Bradfoe Show studios. And and Ian, so I was thinking about this. I was looking at some of the Shohei Otani talk. Ken Laird, Kerosene Ken's favorite guy, the guy that he's looked at YouTube extensively, and and really has this conversation with him. I feel is amping up, amping up, and it's. I, I don't know where it lands in terms of the power rankings of interest in the hot stove season, but it is the most unique thing we have seen in a long, long time. And it made me start thinking about the Daisuke era, Daisuke Matsuzaka, of how crazy that was. And it's a little bit different. Um, so I, 
I wanted to get you in here because you have written. Now, here, here you go. Get ready for the Amazon bomb right. right here. Dice K Matz is like, give me the title of the book. I'll da- screw it up. Dice K, the first season of the Red Sox, $100 million. One, ooh, $100 million. <laughs> like that, would, that would be Dice K, the first season of the $300 million man. <laughs> so anyway, Ian wrote the book on Dice K's first year. Uh, really, it was about his first year in Boston, but also Dice oh, K. The whole courtship of getting him, background, mm-hmm. uh, everything. It'd be, I think it would be a good Christmas read, to tell you the <laughs> truth. <laughs> Yeah, sure. Ten, ten. It's the ten year anniversary. Oh, it is. You you sure. did you did another book, Idiots Revisited, ten year anniversary of two thousand four Red Sox, and now you, are you going to do the, are you going to do a little? Are they adding asking you no, no. to add add to the no, Dice Game legend? It, it all still stands. You know? it, it sure does because <laughs> Dice Game has done absolutely nothing since <laughs> since maybe that second year with the Red Sox. But so I'm just looking at this Shohei Itani stuff and. It is going to be crazy. I think people don't understand how crazy it's going to be because, you know, you have Stanton out there, you have Martinez, you have Hosmer. But the difference here with Otani is that every single team, if they're not putting their $20 million to get in the mix, they're stupid. Yeah, why Why wouldn't you? No. What would be the justification for right. not putting that money the twins. So the Twins are actually perceived as, I don't know, a favorite the Twins are perceived as a team that could get this guy. The Twins. And they're, we're going to go after Darvish, and Darvish is going to – he used to play with him. He used right. to work out with Atani, all this. So when you get a guy like this who not only is every team going to go after, but he hits, he pitches. He, now teams have to tell them why they, yeah. you know, what their plans are for him. Uh, do you think that I'm, I'm overselling this? No, I mean, thing? this is a fascinating story. But, you know, just what you said about the Twins, it's kind of fascinating how different organizations are. Like, the Twins are very uh, vocal about how much they want this guy. Dombrowski will never tip his hand in any direction. I was thinking about that. Yeah, you don't know what he, he's doing or if he really wants to get this kid or not. But. Seattle, too. Uh, Jerry Depoto said, basically came out and said, you know, how hard they were going to go after him and everything else. But I think some of these organizations, they have to sell themselves. You know, when you're the Boston Red Sox, you don't really have to, to, to sell yourself like that. So when it comes to – so over the weekend, I guess on Friday, Associated Press reported this. On Friday, the, uh, the agent for Atani had sent this thing through the commissioner's office a list of things of saying what they want the these teams, every team in baseball, every team that's interested in baseball, to send back telling how the cultural uh, part of it's going to be for him, what they have planned for him in terms of playing, pitching, and hitting. And it was about five different things that they wanted. <laughs> the funny thing, Ian, was they wanted them to send this back in English and Japan. Like, <laughs> You can't. You can't translate. Basically, we don't want to do the work of translating it. Right. So you, you guys do the translating. Yeah. So that is something that we hadn't said. We didn't see that with no, Dice. I mean, the whole thing with Dice, you have to remember how different this whole system was, where it was a blind bid, and uh, you know every team could submit a blind bid, and uh, you know nobody had any idea. And then the winning the winning bid would be picked by the Cebu Lions would pick whichever bid was the highest, but nobody had any clue. What that was, and then it came out that uh, the Red Sox had bid uh, fifty-one point one million dollars, and I think the Mets were second at like uh, you know twenty-five million. This is crazy. So, yeah, like, how did, nuts. And and do you think the Mets going back to that time? Do you think the Mets had like when they heard what the Red Sox bid were like? Oh my goodness, we never thought it was going to be anything close to that. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember specifically talking to uh, Omar Minaya. Uh, 
when I was working on the book, and he, you know, he thought maybe uh, 35, uh, 40 million at the absolute tops. But he thought they thought they had a pretty good chance at him, actually. Yeah, the Mets did. But uh, this is so back then, like basically the team, basically won Dice K. The Red Sox basically won him by the bid. But now it's more up to the player. Um, you know, he's going to look at all these bids and. Twenty million dollars for all of them, and decide which and, which organization is the not, best. And also with Daisuke, you know, once the Red Sox won the bid, they still had to sign him, and right. he could have gone back to Japan. No one thought he was gonna, but they still had to sign him to the contract. And with Shohei Itani, which the H has appeared out of nowhere in his name, <laughs> which is sort of bizarre to me, but it's with Shohei Itani, it's you are choosing your team supposedly almost purely off. How are you going to play me? What it's going to be like in that city? Because unless I'm mistaken, unless I'm full of hooey, Ian, I think that he can't can't negotiate a major league extension until after he turns 25. So that would be after the 2019 season. So you're talking about two seasons here of playing for the major league minimum. So you get the signing bonus, which max it could be about $3.5 million, right. and then a major league minimum for the next two years. Right, yeah, but I mean, there is like some a disparity between some of these bonuses. Like, but that, that, that won't make a difference. I don't know. Like, if you're looking at okay, the Twins or the Yankees or the Rangers can give me three point three million dollars right now, and the Red Sox can give me four hundred thousand. That's not going to make. That's not nope. going to make any difference at nope. all. I mean, it's okay, three million dollars. Right. In the grand scheme of things, you're locked into the fr- uh, an organization for the next six years, right. and you're going to worry about three million dollars. No. Have I already convinced you that that's that's stupid? <laughs> no, not not really. Really? So you think you think <laughs> the Red Sox are at an enormous disadvantage because they can only offer four hundred thousand dollars? I think they are at a disadvantage. I don't know if it's enormous, but look, um, like you like you just said, he doesn't have much leverage with his with his contract right now for these first two years. So all he has is this signing bonus. So it might. Well, uh, no, he is. It's not all he has. All he has, how is the team going to use him? Right. Right? But, I mean, financially, all he has. And also, is he going to be comfortable in the place? And, like, it, clearly, after reading uh, your book, the Daisuke book, he'll understand. Oh, Daisuke still lives in Boston. That's how much he, he does. Yeah, his family loves it there. And, uh, it's crazy. O- Okajima was very happy there. Uh, Koji. So, yeah, they, they, do, they do a nice job with the Japanese players. There but, you go. But the Yankees, who have $3.25 million or whatever it has to uh, say, and I think uh, – Who cares? I think – Who cares? I think Hideki Matsui was pretty comfortable You're right. in New York. Right, but I don't think you understand. The Red Sox talked to him as Otani is an 18-year-old. It's all coming together, which I, I've been throwing that out there. It's like, well, you know, it's also the Red Sox relationship with Otani. goes back to when he was 18 years old. They met with him. Eddie Romero, assistant GM right now, talked to him then. And Tomasi points this out, like, well, wasn't John Diebel also the part of the conversation? Who does John Diebel work for now? Right. He works for the Dodgers. Right, yeah. So, so. oh, well. Uh, I'm still going to jam that narrative right down everybody's throat. <laughs> So, uh, so let's, before we talk about Otani and why it's going to be so crazy and how we're, he's the, the sort of in the next Japanese mystery man, I think that people, whoever didn't live through it, all you youngsters who didn't live through this, the Daisuke thing, well, I don't think we're ever going to see anything like that. Right. I mean, now you look back at Daisuke and you think, oh, yeah, this guy just like never lived up to it. And it kind of uh, takes away from all the hype and excitement that was there when they got him. I mean, there were people in Japan who thought, like, Daisuke was like the Michael Jordan of Japan. And, I mean, you got to remember when the Red Sox won that uh, won that bid and they, they 
they signed him. They were close to that contract, and they flew him back to Boston. I think they were out in California at Scott Boris's office. You know, people were tracking his flight yes. online. I mean, there were all these people. Didn't who were, they change? They like they purposely like had some sort of diversion so people wouldn't track the flight. Yeah, and then yeah, it was like the uh, the Nordic uh, Santa Claus, uh, <laughs> yes, the whole yes, yes. tracker there. And then he flew into this. Uh, you know, I think it was Hanscom Air Force Base in Bedford, and there were people waiting out there for him. And it was uh, it was nuts. I mean, Red Sox fans were convinced uh, that he was going to be the next Pedro Martinez, and it oh, just yeah. uh, you know it never. Came close to that. He had a nice first year. He had a really good second year. Even yeah. Though it was well, kinda... even before what he did. Yeah. So, like, when you go back to that time, and I remember I was at the GM meetings when the Red Sox won the bid, and Scott Boris is sitting there, and he's trying to come up with nicknames for him. None of them stuck. I can't remember what they were. Obviously, <laughs> it landed on Daisuke. Uh, but, but you look at that, and nobody – we had seen him pitch. People had seen him pitch, much like they had seen you Darvish pitch. They had seen they've seen Otani pitch, but the thing with Daisuke was, oh no, he has this gyro ball, right? Yeah. This gyro ball, and for this day and age of actually getting a chance to see guys pitch, it was still like it was this Sid Finch type deal. Like what the gyro ball? When is he going to break out the gyro yeah, ball? I never did see it. It was did what, it, what was it? It was like a change up. Was it change up? Well, some kind of like combination of like a change up and a splitter and a cutter. It was like three three pitches rolled into one. And it was going <laughs> to move eight different ways. But yeah. I never. Uh, no, I never saw it. You know, maybe it was just with the uh, the baseball you saw in America. It didn't it didn't gyro or something. Remember, were you there at the for his first game in oh, spring training? Oh, in spring training, yeah, when Johnny Ayers, the BC uh, punter. Punt, punter uh, or punt returner or something had a double down the line on his on his very first pitch yeah yeah why you remember why because because he, he told him he was going to throw a fastball well Daisuke right? in an interview before said I'm going well, this is like one of the bizarre things like who would even ask what's the kind of what type of pitch are you going to throw in your first pitch <laughs> I'm going to throw a fastball Johnny Ayers read that probably on WEI.com or MLB.com I don't think WEI.com existed at the time sure though. it did 2007 uh, well, maybe it did <laughs> <laughs> okay it was MLB.com fair <laughs> enough but uh, yeah, so he he read that and he hits the the, the fastball, whatever. So, um, but even that, you, you and I were both at spring training then. It was nuts. I mean, there was literally the amount probably of the amount of media there thirty were. at six a.m. There's a there's a, was a stop sign where you couldn't go past. I guess to, to, into the players' parking lot yeah. at six a.m. There'd be like thirty Japanese reporters stay, sitting there. It's nothing like my, we'll never see anything like my that. My lasting memory from Dice Case spring training is like every single time he did anything, it was like the first time he played catch, you know, 50 people trailing him. The first time he threw, uh, you know, a bullpen session, there was hundreds of people out in the bullpen watching. And then the first time he threw live batting practice to hitters. Now, this is never a big story in spring training when somebody throws live batting practice to oh, hitters. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, everybody was out there. And then John Blake was just in a frenzy, <laughs> you know, lining up all these people for the Japanese media to talk to. And all of a sudden, I can hear to this day, John Blake yells out, Bobby Scales is now available <laughs> at the Red Sox clubhouse. Like, Bobby Scales. <laughs> We've gotten to the point where we're talking about Bobby, I, Bobby Scales. I can actually this. remember, I know that... In that first, so that first BP, his first BP, Bobby Scales, yeah. Kevin Cash was in there too. I remember yeah. that. Uh, I think Ellsbury might have also been another one. Yeah. So, but you're right. It was it was nuts. And so, 
they made a separate room, like the room that we have in the press box where your son sits all the time. You can credit Dice K for that room, <laughs> yeah. right? My son can credit Dice K for having a place to yeah, hang out. Yeah, while his dad's working, he's back there playing video games in the Dice K <laughs> section of the press box. They had to expand the press box because they felt there would be so many Japanese players. And you go to last year and they didn't have one. And 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 we saw that. We had it was that's another weird dynamic of this whole thing. How they these Japanese news organizations send people to cover like one player. Yeah, well fortunately they had Okajima that year too, so they had right. uh, you know they had Right, but that's why they had so many. But even you go back to uh I don't know, who was the most recent Japanese player that they had? Ko- Koji. Yeah, okay, so Koji or Tazawa, right? Yeah. yeah, they would send somebody if Tazawa played, you know, he played for the Marlins. Somebody would like live in Miami to like follow Janichi Tazawa and Janichi Tazawa would be on the DL half the year and would have to talk to him. It was so that bizarre. Was tough, you got to respect the job those people oh, have to do. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Nice people, but man, that's a that's a tough. Uproot your tough family living, yeah. to go cover Janichi Tazawa. <laughs> I, mean, I might I, I might become a shoe salesman. Forget that. So anyway, so you went through. We went through that first year, and he was you know he was it was a bizarre existence. He just would load bases and like and take forever. And I remember um, I remember saying to John Farrell, I looked it up. He basically had uh, he had dominated the cleanup hitter, right? Yeah. yeah. And so he was dominating the cleanup hitter, and said, "How oh, you realize he's dominating the cleanup hitter?" And John Farrell's like, "Have you been talking to Scott Boris? Because Scott Boris was pounding <laughs> him with the Red Sox with all these stats. This is why he's good. Right. This is why he's good." And you actually, so Boris called you in the middle of the book writing process. Yeah, right? he wasn't happy. Scott was not happy. I was writing a book on his client, and uh, he didn't want me to make any money off. Uh, his client told me that I should question my ethics, and he got in a, uh, we got in a big. Uh, he was he was yelling at me. It was, it was funny. I remember it was right after the July thirty first trade deadline, which I thought was like a weird time to call me out of the blue. Like uh, Eric Gagne just went to the Red Sox, and <laughs> my head was kind of spinning anyway. But uh, no, Scott and I are we're, we're on the, we've been good ever since. Oh, then. really? Uh, but did it did it make you reflect on writing that book? Oh yeah, I mean, I, you I wasn't going to stop you out of it. No, 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 not at all. Too it's much just money. Like, yeah, made. it just said things like you know there was going to be guys in the clubhouse who weren't going to talk to me anymore <laughs> because of this book. <laughs> uh, it never came. It never came to fruition. Did, how was? Did you? Uh, how was? Like, did Daisuke know you're writing this book? He did. Yeah, yeah. he did not want to do many uh, any interviews. Many interviews for the book, um, which was frustrating. Because it would have, you know, I was really hoping to get some good stuff with him, but it just makes you work harder when you're not talking. Yeah, you don't need Dice Kid. You don't need him. You don't. He, so he, actually, the book, that's another bizarre thing. There's a Dice K Museum, right, in Japan? Right, yeah. There's a Dice K Matsuzaka Museum in Japan, and your book is prominently displayed there. <laughs> yeah, I gotta, I gotta check that out sometime. Dice K also, remember those fight necklaces? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Everybody. so the fight, so that became a thing, right? It was like, I think it was uh, in, like I know Okajima wore one probably longer than anybody. Right. But Daisuke wore one, and that became a, oh my goodness, Daisuke's wearing it. It makes his magical powers even more <laughs> magical. And I had this. I was wearing one. I this remember kid, that. Yeah. Yeah. It became all ratty, yeah. and then Daisuke actually instructed a clubhouse guy to give me a new one. Oh, that was nice. Of it me. was right. very nice. I liked Daisuke. He was nice. fine. Yeah, you know, Daisuke. Uh, he had a knack for getting himself in these. 
like you said, these bases loaded jams, and he was agonizing to watch, but he would somehow get out of it. I remember. So I was working at the Herald at the time, and Francona called me in the office and said, just want to let you know there's a shitstorm coming oh, yeah. because uh, the Herald had taken pictures of Daisuke's wife and kids, and Daisuke flipped out. And said, you know, I'm not threatened not to. I think he threatened not to pitch. Yeah, actually, yeah, it was pretty bad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was in in. So Sound like page 133. I think. Oh, right. there, you, <laughs> there you go. Well, you know, my I'm going to bring this up. My favorite story, the the whole book writing process, is the Carlos Pena saga, which you know what I'm talking. Oh about. Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, I will tell this because I like to tell it. We just we're out at a, a class of a young aspiring journalists, and I told this <laughs> this very same story. So. In, so, Ian, you made a, an advance off Daisuke. You clearly took advantage of Daisuke, as Scott Boris yeah, said. I was you're pro- a terrible human being for doing this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They, so a publisher comes to you, says, you want to write about a book about Daisuke, and then you say, okay, sure, how much money am I going to make? And they're like, loads and loads, and okay. But you also have clauses in that. And now that was their idea. Of, they, of, so what was it? It was like Thailand? Ty, uh, uh, no, it was uh, Taiwan. Uh, there were three separate deals with Japan, Taiwan, and the U.S. And the Japan one was the really nice. Uh, that was the nice deal. The, was, other, the other ones were that just kind of okay. So you had bonuses built in, and one of the bonuses was it, it seems so bizarre now. Yeah. If Daisuke wins fifteen games, you yeah. got fifteen well, grand. Right? Well, there was one. There was a there was a bonus at ten games. That's an extra ten thousand. And then at fifteen for the fifteenth win, that's another fifteen thousand. Okay. So it basically doubled. Uh, Wait. So so you got so once you get ten, you get ten. Yeah. And then you got another fifteen on top yeah, for so, five more wins. So it basically doubled the original advance from Japan was twenty five thousand, which for me at the time was like pretty big money. Well, I think yeah. I, at this time right now yeah, it's pretty yeah, big money. Yeah. Um, but it's so so he was so Daisuke was stuck for a long time at. Fourteen wins. He and there yeah, was three or four starts. I think. Yeah, he, he was he he was stuck, and so you had three starts to go. I mean, two starts to go. Tampa, and then he was going to come home. Now the Red Sox are already basically like clinched it. They right? clinched the playoffs. They hadn't clinched the division yet. Uh, okay, yeah. so he pitches in Tampa, and he has a two nothing lead heading in the seventh. This no. cruising. And then he was there two outs and he walked two guys? Or? Yeah, two on and two outs. So yeah. he got two outs, he walks two guys, and it's still two nothing. And here comes Tito. I can still see it to this day. Tito, here, here, Carlos Pena is coming to the plate. Here comes Tito bringing in Javi Lopez, lefty on lefty. Right, and how many pitches into that at bat? I think it was like the first or second pitch, and he just smashed it. And I, I said, "There goes win number 15. And I just I, before the ball had even landed, I was walking back to that turned, soda machine at the. And I was you like, were you were out, you were in the back of the press box throwing things against the wall. <laughs> it was a three run homer. Yeah, uh, Tampa goes on to win three two. You immediately go. You you don't care about your job. So we've established you're a terrible human being for writing this book. And in that moment, you didn't care about your job. All you cared about was asking. John Farrell, <laughs> is Dice K going to make his last start of the season, right? And he said yes. And I, and I, no, what I said was, is it going to be a regular start or is it going to be like an abbreviated start? Because if he only goes three or four innings, yes. he can't get a win. And Farrell's like, oh, no, it's going to be a regular start. And uh, well, it ends up they ended up winning the division that night. Um, they had to sit out and watch uh, Baltimore beat uh, the Yankees. Which you, yeah. you, you did not care about. All you cared no, it about. Added to, it added to the book, though. But, uh, oh, yeah. It's, but, it, well, but that, did, that part wasn't in the book, though. He, he the did. fifteen grand. <laughs> no, but <laughs> uh, he got the fifteenth win, and it was. A, How many beers did you have that night? 
A couple. Apple, okay. So Applebee's, in case anyone's listening, St. Petersburg, Florida, Applebee's always has two for one until uh, until 2 o'clock in the morning. And we were trying to talk Ian off the ledge. And I can't imagine 15 grand, 15 grand hinging on a shitty like start at the end of the year that means nothing with uh, also with this guy Daisuke who yeah. is, is I felt like I was gambling I wasn't a gambler I mean they they pretty much just said oh here's the deal uh, and they this just a matter of fact it wasn't like a negotiation here's the deal we're going to give you an extra 10 for the 10th win an extra 15,000 for and I'm like okay uh, I signed it. And what then... what makes you like? What makes him think like if we if we if we if we if we if he wins five more games and this book is really going to take off? <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know, but hey, it was a good yeah. it was a good decision. So anyway, you, you he pitched and he won, and so that whole Dice K phenomenon was crazy. And he had Dice K the next year actually finished fourth in the Cy Young voting, right? Eighteen third, wins. yeah, he finished third, yeah, and um, so it, you know, so he had his run. And then it sort of dissipated, and he became an unpopular guy. And well, and the problem he went to uh, he went to that World Baseball Classic in two thousand. Oh, they did not want him to go. And he came back, he, and I remember that first spring training game yeah. he was throwing like eighty. I remember watching him throw a bullpen when he came back, and the ball was all over the place. He he didn't know where. Well, where he, the ball he didn't was spend going. spring training with the Red Sox, <clears throat> right? right. And he didn't. But I remember he didn't look good either physically when he came back. He looked a little yeah. heavy, and just uh, yeah, it was a bad situation, and uh, just never recovered after that. But for those two years. It was crazy. It was like I've never. I, I, I'll say it again. I don't think we'll see anything like that ever again. Now, flash forward to this Otani th- situation, and every, as we said at the beginning of the podcast, every team is going to be in on him. We, I, I don't think he'll be chasing the money at all. Um, I think he's going to prioritize playing. How he's going to be used for the next two years until he signs the extension and his comfort level and all of that, and maybe even marketability. You know, yeah. on top of that, good luck Minnesota. Um, but once you get this guy, I mean, this is a guy who is going to hit and is going to pitch. I mean, we there hasn't been forget about Japan, Babe Ruth, right? That's Babe last, Ruth. That's what Dombrowski keeps defaulting. Yeah, to. we're going going back a ways here. I don't think <laughs> many of us saw Babe Ruth play. <laughs> you think the packet? I heard he was pretty good though. Yeah, you did. I don't know his war. I don't think his war was that good. Has anyone looked up Babe Ruth's war? Uh, it's infinity. Okay. Uh, so you had you have if you have Dombrowski sitting there and he says here. Here's the picture of Babe Ruth in our presentation. You could be like Babe Ruth. We're not going to trade you to the Yankees like we did with with Babe Ruth. Yes. So there you go. I, I'm I'm guessing there's going to be a no trade uh, element in that contract. So, but when he gets here, when Otani gets here, it or here wherever he lands, it's going to be nuts. It is going to be like Daisuke all over again. It won't be like Daisuke because. Because I do think there's an element of since Daisuke came over, you have had Tanaka, you've had Darvish, Darvish right. you've had a lot of these guys already. Um, but but is it? But I think that as we go in this off season, so on December second, they can actually uh, they, he will be posted, and then he has three weeks to make up his mind. So in those three weeks, Otani, Stanton. Uh, Martinez, Hosmer. There's your storylines. Yeah, it's gonna be a lot to write about. You think? Do you think? You, where do you? Where would you power rank him? Give me the power rankings right now as we sit here. What is the for Red Sox fans? What do you think is the most interesting? The most interesting? Um, or oh, got the most? Like if you said this is this is I have to write about one thing to get the most readers. What would it be? 
I would still say Stanton. People just love the home run, and this guy's the best uh, the best home run hitter going. I mean, this guy, you know, think about how many home runs he could hit in Fenway. Although some people say, oh, Fenway actually take home runs away from him with yeah. their – Not if you hit it 500 feet. Right. But, uh, no, I would say Stanton first, um, then Otani second, J.D. Martinez third, and I would say Hosper fourth. Here's what you could do. Here's what you could do if you're the Red Sox. If you wanted to get Otani, so the whole, like, how the Otani fits on this Red Sox team, you could say, Shohei, this is me addressing him, Shohei, I respect that you add an H to your name, and also I will respect the fact that you want to pitch. You can be in our starting rotation. And also you can DH a couple times a week. Yeah, three, probably three, probably wants to DH three times a week. He's a lefty hitter, all right? You have you have Hanley playing first or whatever. You sign somebody else to fill in the gap there. You trade Jackie Bradley because you're still going to need a power hitter. This is what they're looking for. No. You trade Jackie, excuse me. You trade Jackie Bradley, and you sign JD Martinez. Otani doesn't cost you any money. That's not the problem. Martinez, is where you put all your money, you've solved a couple different issues. Uh, you know, you're a little thin on the back end of your rotation, so it's not like you say that guy has to be the ace. There you go. You're yeah, on your way. Well, it's a good strategy. Now they just have to pull it off. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, I do like the J.D. Martinez thing because it's just uh, it's a straight cash transaction. You don't even have to give up a draft pick. And, uh, you know, with with Hosmer, you'd have to give up a draft pick. With Stanton, Carlos you, Santana, you have to give up right. a draft yeah, pick. Yeah, Stanton, it's going to be all that money. Um, it's going to be – I mean, what would you have to give up in terms of players to get I think those? it depends on how much money you're eating. I, we were just talking with somebody down there, and I was posting a column on this. The one thing I don't think people understand about this Red Sox team, and it's, it's sort of a cliche, always oh, traded away all their prospects. He kind of has. Like, yeah. in terms of – you go through the list of guys that they could trade to get a deal done, a significant deal. Jason Groom, okay, name some guys after that. You want position players? Good Mike, luck. Michael Chavez. You think that you think that teams like are gonna say, Hey, yeah, we want him to be a centerpiece of the trade because he had a good year. This one good year yeah. last year. Yeah, the centerpiece of those trades are in Chicago for yeah. they traded Chicago at in so, San Diego. So I don't even really know how involved the Red Sox are in trying to get Stanton because, you know, the word is he might not even want to play there anyway. They're going to try. And, yeah. I mean, of course they're going to try, but I think that uh, they might have the sense by now that they don't have what it takes to get this guy. Yeah. And, and with J.D. The, the thing about J.D. Martinez, though, is, is – and this is why I say, you know, I don't think they want to trade Jackie Bradley, but you've got to free up a spot. Does J.D. Martinez want to sign to a place say, hey, yeah, come over here. You can be a D.H.? Well, so you do that, or you have, you have four guys, and you can sort of make the DH sort of a, a rotating thing. And you make, well, but why, you have JD Martinez. But why D- would you do that? Why would you do that when you have three guys who are like well above average defenders? So yeah, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna sit down the well above average defender and have him DH. Nebraska has always loved having a a, uh, a great defensive center fielder, though. That's why I think it would be hard for him to. Yeah, trade. But Benintendi would be a pretty good defensive center fielder, right? He would. Yeah, I mean, he's. It's, I don't think they, I, I don't think they want to trade Jackie Bradley, but you can't. You're not going to trade the other two, right? Yeah, I mean, you're right. If you if you do get JD Martinez, somebody else is going to have to go. All right. Well, I think we solved a lot of problems. Oh, sure, we did. Are you looking forward to uh, you going to the winter meetings? Yeah, yeah, Orla- yeah. Back in Orlando this year. Back in Orlando. Swan, Swan and Dolphin. Yeah, big tree in the middle of the lobby. It's great. Uh, and so uh, as we sit here, prediction, two weeks from now. Two weeks? Is it winter meetings going to be over? Winter meetings start, start two weeks from today. Start week two. Okay. Uh, two and a half weeks from now. 
as we as we go to Christmas at Fenway to say hello to Brian Johnson and the guys. Uh, <laughs> Is that the cast list? <laughs> the Heath Henry will make a return appearance. Uh, what? Ian Brown, MLB.com, author of multiple books. What is your prediction the Red Sox will have done? We're going to be looking at uh, J.D. Martinez's press conference and hopefully still some hope for Tommy. I don't know if that's going to be done at the time. or if they're... Well, three weeks from December 2nd, so maybe not. But does he have to wait the entire No, he doesn't have to, no. Yeah, Just by... you think, you th- what do you think? Where's Otani land? As as an expert in these situations, I'm going to put Otani on the Yankees. Okay, yeah, that's fair. Just to make Red Sox fans mad. Oh, it will be. I good. would love to see him here, but again, I I do think that money talks. And a that will, you know what that'll do? That'll put CC Sabathia with the Red Sox. There you go. Ooh, spice things up a little. Don't bunt. <laughs> All right, Ian. Thanks for coming in. How do you like these studios? Oh, this is great. I like the uh, lava, lava, lamp. lava lamp, beanbag. <laughs> I'm sitting on this beanbag right now. It's, it's, it's very relaxing. <laughs> I think we, we, we want to put you at ease. Uh, thanks for coming in. Uh, thanks for all our guests throughout the Bradford Show. Also, subscribe on iTunes. Do that right now. It's the best Christmas gift you could ever give yourself. Uh, we'll be back uh, maybe later this week. Who knows? But have a great, great day. And read MLB.com and WEEI.com as your only two sources of information. Keep your car looking its absolute best year-round with 303 Cleaners and Protectants. 303's revolutionary graphene nanospray coating gives you professional protection in a simple, easy-to-use formula. It will keep your car's paint protected for up to 12 months and give an insane level of depth and gloss. You can also use their brand new 303 graphene detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine throughout the year. It can even be used for quick cleanups of light dust and fingerprints in between washes. For a one-two punch to keep your car licking its best, look no further than 303's line of graphene products. 303 graphene nano spray coating to protect and 303 graphene detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine. Both products are available now at Advanced Auto Parts, AutoZone, and select Walmart locations. Visit 303radio.com for more information. Every search you make, every click you take, they'll be watching you. Tired of companies like Google and Facebook watching everything you do online? There's actually a simple solution. DuckDuckGo. It's an all-in-one privacy app with a built-in private search engine, web browser, one-click data clearing, email protection, and more, all for free. Download the app today and get the most comprehensive privacy protection with the push of a button. DuckDuckGo. Privacy simplified. As America celebrates Juneteenth, join me, Femi Redwood, the host of the Beyond Black History Month podcast, as we continue our special series. To how one man's love helped build a strong black community after freedom. He was just a man that truly believed in family. To how the spirit of Juneteenth connected many in the diaspora. You can find Beyond Black History Month on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.